remember coming home and having to do laundry, which was always a trigger for resentment for me. And I thought, how can I reframe this? How can I think about this differently? Welcome everyone. In case you are new to the podcast, I would like to take a moment to introduce myself and why I decided as a busy working mom to find the time to put this together. When I was in my late thirties, after working as a surgical physician assistant for about 13 years, I found myself severely burned out. This affected my relationships, my work, my mental, and ultimately my physical health. I felt like I didn't have time to breathe let alone the time to find the resources to help me out of my burnout cycle. I did find a way out that has led me to a more fulfilled and joyful life. I would like to be a resource for you to do the same. I will walk you through simple steps to integrate into your busy day to help you move out of the burnout cycle. Even if you feel like you don't have time to breathe, you can do this. If I can do it, literally anybody can. Please note, because I am nowhere near perfect, I may slip up and use an occasional minor curse word for emphasis or due to raw emotion. Please be aware. Thank you so much for being here. Let's break the burnout cycle together. Hey everyone, welcome back. So today on the podcast, I wanna talk about reframing resentment. So resentment was a huge piece of how I felt when I was really severely burned out. I felt resentful all the time. I remember feeling like it was just Groundhog Day every weekend and every day that it was up to me to figure out what was going to be for dinner. It was up to me to make sure the laundry got done. It was up to me to make sure that the groceries got done. It was it was up to me to make sure that We always have toilet paper in the house. It was up to me to make sure that I always knew the kids' shoe sizes and their t-shirt sizes. You know, all of it felt like I was a juggler with just a million balls in the air. And every time I wanted to take a breath, another ball would try to hit the ground and I'd have to scoop it back up and throw it back up in the air really, really high so that you know, wouldn't come down for a while, but every time I turned around, there was another ball that wanted to drop. And I got so mad. I was just mad all the time that it was all my responsibility, that I had to remember all these things, that I had to do all these things. And it's not like I didn't try to give them up, but there were times when, you know, I would give, let's say, fill a job or somebody a job at work and it wouldn't get done to my liking. And then I just fell back on, well, if I don't do it myself, then it's not going to get done right. And looking back, I really didn't give the opportunity for growth. Meaning if Phil has never done the grocery shopping, then how does he know exactly what milk to buy? unless I specify. If I just say 2% milk and don't specify, look at the expiration date. We only need a half gallon and not a full gallon. I like this brand. You know, those were all things that I kept in my head and kind of expected him to know because when you go in the refrigerator and get the milk out, 
you know, wouldn't you notice if it was a half gallon or a gallon or what type of milk it was? But because he never had to make those decisions, he didn't have to notice those things and keep those in his brain. And so, you know, I send him to the store, he gets the wrong milk and I get mad and then think I have to do it myself because he can't do it. Well, I really wasn't given giving him an opportunity to grow and learn and say in a nice way, hey, you know, that's not the milk that we usually get. I like this brand for these reasons. You know, make sure you check the expiration because this one's going to expire in three days instead of, you know, if you look at the back, it'll be a week out and, you know, we'll make sure we finish it before it expires. You know, kind of walking him through that, I was giving him this expectation that you're an adult, so you should be able to go out there an adult just like I have. And I'd been doing it for years and years. It was an unrealistic expectation. I was asking him, basically just looking at him, if I just looked at him like a toddler and said, okay, you're going to the grocery store. So you're just starting to walk for the first time and expecting him to like run a marathon, like to know how to do it all. And that wasn't fair. It's a learning process. I went through the learning process early in our marriage and there were lumps and bumps as I went through that process of learning what we could afford on a budget learning how to buy things that will last a week. So I only had to go to the store once a week, learning how to manage the food during the week, learning how to make dinners and lunches according to that meal plan. You know, it was unfair of me to expect him to be able to do that without practice. Now, that's just one example, but there were lots of things that I just felt super resentful about you know, again, things like laundry, there were many things at work that I felt like if I didn't do them, they weren't going to get done properly. And those had ripple effects. So let's say a discharge didn't go properly. Well, the ripple effects of that were getting called because the prescriptions weren't sent in properly from the pharmacy. And then it's a drop everything, have to do that right away. It's you know, they come back and their post-op appointment was made for a week and a half instead of two and a half weeks. So, you know, not being able to take out their staples or sutures because it's too early. And then, you know, it just frustrates the patient and frustrates me. And again, it's all about learning. It's about learning what those ripples are and and helping whoever made the appointment say, okay, this is what happened due to this appointment being made. No judgment, but this is why the appointments need to be made here. And this is why, you know, we do things this way. It's all a growth opportunity, which is hard to see when you're resentful. Because again, you just pull, at least I did, I just pulled it back in and said, I just have to do everything. And man, I tell you what, it will burn you out again and again and again. And it's not okay to just feel like you have to do it all yourself. You don't. And it's really hard to see that. And then I want to talk about the anger that comes with it. So anger is a secondary emotion, which I didn't know. And so it's usually in response to something deeper 
And anger was my trigger. You know, I'd feel resentment and then I'd trigger to anger. And then when I get angry, I shut down. Like I, I, I don't want to talk or if I do, I know I'm going to yell. And so then I try to shut it down and not talk. And, but I had to get to the root of the anger. And the anger was that I felt unsupported. Like that was the root of my anger. That I felt like I was walking through life unsupported. And it's just what I saw. It wasn't necessarily the truth. It was just what I saw, but it was also what I was bringing into my reality by doing everything and not giving people an opportunity to learn and grow and do the things that I was doing to help me. So it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. My behavior and my emotions were dictating my outer world. And it wasn't until I couldn't, I literally could not keep all the balls in the air anymore and things just started dropping. And I, I, I was exhausted. I mean, just bone tired that I just had to start letting people do things and gently helping them through learning and correcting and figuring it out. And the amazing part is, you know, when you give things to other adults, who want to help and you understand that it's a learning process, they will show up and they'll do a good job. And if you give them feedback in a kind, gentle way, they'll get better. So when I was in just full on resentment all the time, I mean, it really just felt like it was my primary emotion for a long time. I went to my neighbor's house and she, she grew up in a, in a, in a rough spot they did not have a lot of money. Um, her mom raised her solely on her own. And, you know, there were some times when she didn't know if there was going to be enough food. She said she had the ability in those moments to say, well, I've got a roof over my head and the people down the street living out of their car, I'm better off than them. I might not have food right this second, but I've got a roof over my head and and I'm better off than they are. It was this amazing ability to take this really awful circumstance and put a positive light on it. And that's really incredible. And I thought, my gosh, I mean, I've got first world problems, people. I mean, really. And so I remember coming home and having to do laundry, which was always a trigger for resentment for me. And I thought, how can I reframe this? How can I think about this differently? And this flash came into my brain of of something I'd seen that week in the hospital, which was a little kid in this little wagon with an IV pole and was being wheeled in the hospital and was in these cute little pajamas. And, but was there because that kid was sick and the parents were pulling the kid around and it broke my heart just a little bit. And when I was folding all of the clothing, I literally had a tear roll down my face and just said, you know, I bet those parents would be happy to fold these seven loads of laundry 
if their kid was healthy and tearing through laundry and wearing it for 30 seconds and tearing it off and throwing in the laundry. I bet those parents would be so happy to do that. And it really just made the resentment fade away. It helped me feel really, really good about folding laundry. And what I found out later is that I was tapping into gratitude. And gratitude is one of the positive emotions, super powerful for your brain, really helps you see the world differently, really helps rewire your brain. And at the time, I didn't know I was doing this. But when I started reframing my resentment, it really was tapping into gratitude in a kind of a backwards way. And again, sometimes when you're really burnt out, if somebody had said, you need to tap into gratitude, I would have been like, are you, I can't handle that right now. My brain can't handle that right now because I'm so in a dark place that you trying to bring me to rose colored glasses isn't going to work. But reframing my resentment, that worked. It was little tiny things like just being thankful that I live in a neighborhood that I could walk around in and feel safe. It was little tiny things that, you know, I have good shoes to wear because I really mucked up my foot when I fell down the stairs when I was super burnt out. And it's really hard for me to wear shoes that aren't supportive now because my foot will start to hurt. You know, when I put my sneakers on every day, just thinking like, wow, you know, like I have really good supportive shoes. I've got the money to buy the shoes. That's really helpful for me and my body. And again, that's tapping into gratitude. But at the time, I didn't know that. I just was trying to see things in a different light. I was trying to take my resentment and put it on hold and say, why can't I be thankful for, again, having seven loads of laundry to fold. And what it does is it really makes you, it really forces you into noticing smaller things, which forces you to be more present. So it's amazing how all of this feeds together when I learn about the neuroscience and the brain and all of that. But it is amazing how when you can reframe that resentment, it slows you down, it taps into gratitude. And then what that does is you start getting, at least I did start, I started getting more granular. I was happy that I wasn't hand washing the clothes. I get, I have a washer and dryer that, you know, I throw the clothes into and it washes and dries for me. I didn't have to hand wash them. I remember my daughter asked me to make pancakes. And normally when my daughters asked me to do anything, it was like an eye roll and like, oh, I can't, I can't, I don't have time to do that. And I remember thinking before that making pancakes was so hard, right? It was like, I'm gonna mess up the kitchen and I'm gonna, you know, it's more things for me to clean. And then, and I remember when she asked me, I was like, what's so hard about making pancakes? We have a pancake mix that I just put water in and then I pour it into 
a pan and then I serve it to her and she's really super excited about it. And I have a pan and a bowl and a plate that I have to clean up. It's not hard. It didn't take a lot of time. It was just my brain was like, no, 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 no. But when I said, wow, if I can just reframe this and be like, it's not hard. I don't have to go out and ground the flour from my own wheat and bring it in and add baking soda to it, whatever else is in pancakes. I mean, it just made it seem so simple. So anyway, when I started reframing, things just got easier and I was less resistant and less angry and less resentful. And there's a lot that ties into this, but making those small shifts, even that shift in my brain was amazing. I know my sister-in-law, she told me a story and I just thought it was so great too. And it was again about a shift. So she would get upset when my brother, her husband, would say he's coming to one of the kids' events. Let's just say it was like a cross-country meet. And then he'd get stuck at work. And she would sit there and be mad that he was missing this and that he was missing out on the kids and they were going to be grown before he knew it. And she would get into this brain space of being upset and angry. And what was really funny about it, and what she realized about it was my brother wasn't upset or angry that he was missing it. The kids weren't necessarily upset or angry that he was missing it because they didn't know otherwise, meaning it's not like he had been at events and then was suddenly started missing them. So nobody was upset about it except her. And so she was spending, let's just say the cross-country meet lasted an hour or two, that time being upset and angry And she finally had this realization that she was the only one that was upset or angry about this. And so she just stopped. She just said, you know, if Jimmy makes it here, great. And if he doesn't, I'm not going to be upset about it because nobody else is and I'm making myself miserable. And from that point on, she enjoyed watching her kids grow and watching them compete and truly enjoyed it instead of sitting there being angry and resentful. These are the stories. These are the small shifts that we can make to help us honestly just feel better. I mean, just walk through our day and not feel angry all the time. These are those shifts. And so I thought this was an important one to put out there. I hope it helps. I always hope it helps. I love y'all so much. I know it's the holiday season and there's lots of different holidays that people celebrate. And I hope everybody has a joyous, a truly joyous holiday season and gets together with friends and family and really enjoys their holiday season. I'm going to keep going through the holiday season, which is something I didn't do last year, but I have lots lined up and I'm very excited, especially for next week's podcast to come out phenomenal speaker. Very, very excited. So tune in for next week for a really great conversation. Take care, y'all.
If you're really enjoying this podcast, head on over to Apple and give me a rating and review. And also click that follow button so that you know when the next podcast comes out. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. The information, opinion, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in the podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast is not to be considered professional advice. Before starting any change in physical, mental, or dietary practice, you should consult your medical provider.